This episode of the Big Head Chats podcast on the On The Pine Sports Network is brought to you by Mulcahy & Co. Marketing. For all your marketing needs, Gav and the team have you covered. They do it all, including making our website. Check it out at www.onthepinesports.com.au. They also build online stores using Shopify. Throughout COVID, more and more businesses need to go online and Gav can help you do that. Check out their latest store at www.wardrobebythesea.com.au. If you need some help with your online presence, then get into contact with the team at www.mulcahy.com.au slash marketing. Now I can actually provide a service for you through the podcast. So mention Big Head Chats while you're there and the guys will give you a free website report on your current website, which gives you an idea of how it is performing with SEO, page load and many other aspects. It also gives you recommendations for changes that can be made. So, uh, yeah, jump on it quick because I can finally give you something, listeners. But for now, let's jump into this week's episode. Let's go. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Big Head Chats. Now, for anyone that knows me, or seen me out and about, you'd know that I love a vintage oversized tee or, or a nice vintage crew neck. Um, and apparently so does everyone else in Victoria especially and it's seemingly worldwide that uh, it's taking over the clothing industry. Um, and one man that has taken full advantage of that is Jackson Thomas who runs Vintage Kit on Instagram and is absolutely killing it. Uh, Jackson, welcome to the show man, thanks for joining me. Cheers, B. Good little wrap there. I appreciate that. How's it going? Not too bad. It's uh, it's pretty grim here in Melbourne, not going to lie to you, uh, during lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So how, how are you faring in New Zealand? How's COVID over there? Yeah, we're sweet, man. I actually studied in Melbourne. I'm sure we'll touch on that uh, later on. So I spent a bit of time there in the second home, and I've got my best mate is actually over there. Um, he has just moved out to Geelong, but he was in Richmond. And um, yeah, it sounds pretty fucking grim for you guys. We think we got it bad here, but Melbourne... I mean, I don't know what you can't do wrong, but it seems like everyone else, everyone else in Australia is coping. But for some reason, you fucks just can't stop coughing on each other. No, so. it's <laughs> you've yeah, actually hit the nail on the head. I, I, I can't figure out um, what went so badly in such a short period of time. Um, yeah, I mean that first lockdown hit, and I went back to my hometown in Ballarat. I uh, stayed with mum and dad, and then there was probably a, I don't know a three week period there. I came back to Melbourne once we restrictions had lifted a little bit, and then yeah. next minute, fuck, just gone like You're we're fine. back we're back into stage three then it just got worse from there so then we're in stage four lockdown it just didn't stop it felt like like i don't know if it's a cultural thing but like so when i mean it's obviously fucking easier because in new zealand obviously we're way smaller we don't have states so when the government said here's what we're doing we're going to lock down for four weeks everyone just went okay but it was an okay like hey listen we'll do it for four weeks but if this doesn't work fuck off right <laughs> whereas in Aussie it was in Aussie it was like nah nah these are my rights I'm not wearing a mask you dumbasses protesting it was oh. like if you just pull your fucking heads in and do it um, like you can be like mate we had packed stadiums for the for the footy you know only a couple of weeks ago we had a couple of little flare ups so that stopped but um, yeah pull your head in over there bro but no we're cruising man it's um I'm in Auckland, obviously, so we, Auckland had a bit of a, well, it's a second wave for us, it was about fucking two cases, but, <laughs> um, had a bit of a second wave, so we briefly moved back into what we call level three, um, I mean, I don't know how interesting COVID chat is, but, yeah, no, we're sweet now, but everything's back open, um, fans are good, we still haven't got fans at sports, um, but that's probably, we've got an announcement on Sunday, where she's, uh, old auntie Jacinda's probably going to lift the cap on, or is going to lift the cap on the 100-person gathering, so we'll be 
back and firing from next week, mate. Yeah, well, it's good to hear. And, yeah, we could chat about COVID all day because it's just, uh, you know, top of the news yeah. all the time. <laughs> and especially in Melbourne, right. it's just pretty depressing. But we're going to move on. So, um, Jackson, tell us a bit about your story. So you run Vintage Kit, which is absolutely flying at the moment, as well as YKTR Sports, um, and you're a sports mm-hmm. journo by trade. Um, we'll start with Vintage Kit. Um where did that whole thing start? I mean, where did your passion for it start and then where did Vintage Kid on Instagram begin? Yeah, passion start. I mean, I've always, like, I wore my dad's clothes to school. Like, I've always, this has just been my sort of identity. It's what I've identified words for as long as I can remember, mate. Um, like, my favourite fucking sports kid of all time is this, like, 95. My old man actually knew one of well, one of his best mates was in the Warriors' original team. Dwayne Mann, so Dwayne, when he ran out for that first game for the Warriors, gave my old man his jersey, so it was about fucking 5XL, because Dwayne's a fucking monster, <laughs> yeah. but I was rocking it from when I was six years old, I like wore it to the, you know, year six disco and all that sort of shit, so I've always, I've always been about the life in that sense, mate, um, love my American sport, always have, favourite player all time was Adrian Tomlinson for the Chargers, so um, I used to wake up back when we only got football, like delayed, a week delayed. It was on about 3am over here in New Zealand. I used to get up on a Tuesday and watch it. So always been about it, bro. And then vintage kit, um, how did it start? Well, listen, how it started, bro, I'll try and wrap it up as quick as I can. But like, I used to buy kit for myself um, since I was since I started earning money, since I was 16 years old. I saw, I'd search on eBay, I'd find a t-shirt I rated and I'd, you know, I'd get a bug and I'd maybe pay 10 bucks for it in New Zealand, but I'd pay 50 bucks to get it down here, rock it, and once I was done wearing it, I'd sell it. Like, that's just, that's how I, and then I'd use that money that I sold it for to reinvest and get a new shirt. So I was doing that for about five years, not even sort of realizing there was a bit of a business model in it. Once I started to earn a little bit more money, I'd buy five tees at a time, 10 tees at a time, wear them once and flick them off to the boys. Then they started telling their mates, hey, Jackson does this. And their mates started asking for shirts. And before I knew it, I was supplying to five or six different boys in and around my circle of mates and five or six of their mates. And then it kind of light bulbed a little bit in March last year. I was like, it's kind of annoying flooding my personal account with all these DMs. Let's have something separate, just a sales page where I can put up what I'm buying and people can buy it. And it just sort of evolved from there, bro. I didn't plan it. Like I didn't sit down with a pad and a pen and decide that I wanted to start hustle or I wanted to start my own business. It just happened to the passion project, bro, which I think any decent or any good fucking business does, doesn't it? It's got to be something that you're into. So that was March last year, and yeah, here we are, man. Yeah, it's a great story. I mean, now you're you know you're at twelve point nine k followers um, on Instagram, which is crazy. And I was going to ask you about you know when this sort of wave seemed to come of popularity. So as you mentioned, you know you were buying it when you were younger and but you're buying them cheap because no one did you know there was no value yeah. in buying vintage clothes it seemed um i certainly wasn't buying it i remember i was buying air max nike kicks for 150 <laughs> yeah, bucks but yeah. borrowing dad's money when i was 13 but yeah of course. um so and then you know that sort of popularity when do you think the popularity kicked up on it to where it is now because now you know you know you can't get a t-shirt for less than 65 bucks yeah that's where that's where it's gotten to now yeah, I mean, it's like anything, bro. It comes in waves. Um, I was I was just a part of the wave. I didn't start it, bro. Like, this, you know, there's another boy running out of Newcastle, the social vintage, who who gets sick here as well. Um, he was around. Like, I I bought a, I bought a couple of things off him before I even started. Like, I didn't not doing anything new, man. It's just it. I think what people miss with this whole vintage wave is they, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on it, but. You know, I'm super transparent with how I run my business. I mean, if you want to know literally the step-by-step of how I've got to where I've gotten, I, I wrote it down. Like, you can read it. I've podcasted about it. I blog about it. I've done vlogs. Like, 
you can copy and paste and do exactly what I'm doing, but what people miss is they don't bring their own flavor or point of difference to it. So to your point, there's, I mean, since I've started, bro, I would have had, fuck, a couple of weeks. If I'm being, if I'm lowballing it, man, probably 100, 150 different people reach out and say, bro, I love your shit. I'm starting my own vintage business. Maybe three or four of them are doing it right, bro. And it's just because everyone copies the model and, and they're like, oh, so Jackson's selling Kansas City Chiefs t-shirts. I'm going to do that and then I'll make you some money. It's like, bro, that's, People buy off me, I hope I hope anyway, mate, and you'll be able to tell me because you follow the content. People buy off me partly because the, the gear's dope, but also partly because they're invested in the story and invested in me as a person and, and the journey, so they want to be a part of that and support that rather than just, if you just want to buy a T-shirt, you can get a T-shirt from a million different places. Like, do I, I think I've got the sickest gear? Of course I do. It's my business. Like, I think I've got the best gear, but there's something for everyone everywhere, you know what I'm saying? So the wave sort of popped off, I suppose, really big in the last six months but it's fashion man it'll come and go the thing with vintage is it's nostalgia bro nostalgia doesn't go anywhere so in 10 years time golden state warriors kit's going to be popping um in 10 years time patrick mahomes tees are going to be popping so it's a unlike um what's a what's a fashion that kind of comes and goes i don't know something off the top of my head like puffer puffer jacks remember when girls were rocking every single girl's jacket with the pawpaw cream in the the pocket like (laughs) yeah like those were like booming for what two years there and then they're lame as shit because there's no nostalgia. There's no story behind them. They're just popular for a little bit. Whereas vintage is like 10 years ago, like I said, it was, you know, it was all the bad boy Pistons gears. It was real popular. Now it's all the Jordan last dance stuff. Like it's just going to roll with the time. So, and that sense, bro, I don't think it's a business model that's ever going to go out of fashion. The more and more saturated the market comes, it doesn't fucking make a difference to me because I'll just do content better than everyone else. Yeah. And I, lo- I love that point you made. So, um, I'm not sure if you know, but so my housemate, Daniel Jervisoni and his brother Lockie run TV Vintage. I think they might have messaged you a few times about some stuff. Yeah, yeah, I spoke to them a few times, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and you are right in the fact that, you know, you, you're enticing to, to watch on Instagram and you, you're someone people want to buy off because of the story. It's not just posting it, here's the profit, I'm, you know, I'm making profit out of this. Like, there's a story behind mm-hmm. what I'm doing and there's a sort of a journey. Um, so I like the, yeah, I like the fact that, you know, there's a story behind you and, and, yeah, and what you're doing. Yeah, that's it, man. Like, it's, it's, I always use, and, and people get annoyed with me using it, but obviously it's a, it's an example because I work so closely with them. But the YKTR boys, like, I, I think their clothes are cool, but are they the, like, thickest gear in the world? No, like, it's, it's pretty fucking basic kit. But you invest in the story and you buy because you like the content Ice puts out, you're a fan of Normies, you love Chico's Laugh, like, you buy shit because of, the brand and I and I think people miss that when they get into vintage they see it as a quick way to print money and if you're coming in doing that you're going to lose like and lose in terms of like if you're trying to compete with me you're not going to win because A I'm obsessed with this shit and I love the smell of these gross t-shirts and I see a stain on something and it like trips me like I'm, I'm weird like I'm obsessed with this I'm not obsessed with the money making side of it like I, I, to be honest bro, I actually couldn't give two fucks about that like yeah seeing dollars and cents come in I'm human like it's cool but it's the seeing the business develop and telling the story and getting more and more engagement and those messages where people say, bro, I love your gear, I love the journey. And like, they're not even buying anything. They're just messaging you to say you're a fan. Like that's the shit that buzzes me. When someone buys a t-shirt, it does nothing to me. Like that's cool. That just means that I've got something cool that other people like. Sick. But it'd be so fucking empty if that was all I was doing. If I was just posting a picture of, you know, five posts a day of five different t-shirts for sale with this price on it. Like that's just cold to me. Like I would never buy someone who does that doesn't matter how fucking cool it is. So, yeah, that's where I think people miss, man. When I say point of difference, well, I say bring your own flavor, but that's just my weird way of saying point of difference. You've got to come to the table with something different, man. And yeah. there's a couple of boys that do it really well. 
one of the guys who reached out to me, he's actually a relevant example, he reached out to me, what's the day today? It's a Wednesday, uh, on Monday. And he was like, you know, same thing, bro, I've been inspired, love you, blah, blah, blah. Usually what I do is, I, and he goes, any tips? And usually I just link the blog, which is how to start a vintage company, but I kind of went a step further with this guy because I had him at the time and I was kind of fucked off with how everyone was doing this. And I said, mate, what are you into? And he goes, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, like, wh- why do you want to do this? Why do you want to start a vintage? And he goes, oh, it looks mad. And I was like, yeah, it is mad, bro. But like, wh- what is your thing? Like, what? how are you different to me? Like, otherwise, if you're just going to be trying to buy the same kit as me and tell the same story as me and talk like me and post like me, you're going to lose. And he goes, oh, no, I'm actually really into music. Like, that's my thing. And it, boom, light bulb for me, I was like, sweet. You know what I don't fucking do? I don't do music sets. Mm. Like, I don't do band tees. I don't do rap tees. Sorry if I'm rambling, man. But like, and I said to this guy, I was like, mate, here's your thing. You get your shirts on all the up and coming bands in your area. He was, you know, I won't tell you where he's from, but he's from a little area in Australia. And get get all your kit. So like, spend a bit of money, get your kit on all the up and coming bands that you like, you know, ask them to wear it at their shows. The up and coming bands, of course they fuck the world. I think they got a fucking, you know, promotional deal. I think they got a sponsor. Yeah. So get it on them. But like buy music tees. There's fuckloads of them. You can get them cheap as shit, mad ones, as big as you want, as small as you want. Like that should be your niche. And then you're not competing with me. You're just doing your own thing. So that's where I think people miss in terms of when I say copy and paste, I, I mean copy and paste the method, but you've got to bring your own flavor. Yeah. And I think, so that's the most interesting part of vintage is that, you know, the one, the people that are successful in it seem to have that point of difference. And um, what that has brought is like so many, a big massive range of different vintage clothes. So um, yeah, which is, I, sick. Yeah, which is great. So I'm a huge uh, American sports fan, sports fan in general. So I love, you know, college uh, clothes, any professional, like I love all of that stuff. Um, yeah. But then, you know, Harley Davidson stuff comes in, you know, Ralph um, and Tommy Hilfiger stuff comes in. Then all of a sudden there's some Disney stuff like Olympic Games where, um, yeah, cool. you know. And see all those things, those, those things that you mentioned towards the end there, I, I do fuck all. I do like, you know, what would be a cool fucking business model would be something called, you know, call it like crisp, you know, crisp gear or something like, call it something clean, like play on that real element of like clean pastel white colors and do high end vintage, do polo, do Tommy, do all like the high end vintage stuff. Like that'd be sick if that's what you're into. But yeah, I'm with you. Like it's cool when the, when a market gets saturated like this, it doesn't, people think it takes money off the table for me. It doesn't. It just means there's more variety out there for you, for the consumer. I don't, I don't like Harley shit, so I don't sell it. But now there's 30 cunts selling Harley, so you can actually get whatever you want. It's not like the days when I first started when you have to sift through, you know, 40,000 pages on eBay just to find the T-shirt you want. So, mm. in that sense, bro, it's really awesome. Yeah, and I guess shop, it's a, it's presenting to the, you know, who's around you. So, in Melbourne, I think you'd be stupid not to be selling Ralph and Tommy gear because the private school kids yeah, yeah. down here will absolutely <laughs> eat it up. So, they... They'll gobble it up. Yeah, bro, yeah, exactly right. Um, Is there sort of a line of vintage that you think might, take off like what's the next you know college sort of gear that you know what's the next line of vintage gear that you think might have some popularity so me and uh, jerv were talking about it and we thought maybe f1 you know there's a pop mm. there's that sort of building with the netflix um documentary they've had series that they've had maybe an f some f1 vintage gear could start to become a bit of a thing do you read do you have any ideas about that yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm always looking at. I've got a I've got a NASCAR exclusive drop coming next week, so I love the fucking NASCAR stuff at the moment. Um, hasn't really popped off yet, but I've doubled down on that because again, like I'm, I've built this whole thing off the back of what I like, and I love the NASCAR shit at the moment. And it got slipped on a few weeks back when I dropped it, and people are slowly coming around to it, asking about it. So that so it's kind of on your F1 thing. Um, the the problem with the F1 gear, bro, is this fuck all of it. Like 
they make those gross leather bomber jackets, which are fucking great. <laughs> yeah. But there's no there's no like tees and jumpers really. Otherwise, it's just like small hoodies that say Ferrari across them, or you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's like in that sense, it's kind of lame. But the one thing which I think people, or if you're smart and you want to tap into, I don't have enough time, so here you go, take this for free. Like <laughs> the the EPL and Premier League stuff, like there is so much old school soccer kit buzzing around in the UK at the moment with all those bulk UK suppliers that I don't use, but like Fox Vintage, Bulk Wholesale Vintage, all those places. Like if you can do one of their video handpick things and grab all of the old Chelsea jumpers, Manchester City, big fucking overspelled tees, like I reckon that's a different little niche where, I mean, soccer's always popping like anywhere around the world. It doesn't come and go in waves. It's always popular. So, um, but for me, bro, personally, I think it's going to be NASCAR. I think over the next couple of months, you're going to see me push a lot of it. And in turn, then you'll see a couple of people push, you know, a lot more pages will see what I'm doing and probably, you know, copy and paste and do it after that. So um, I'm, that's all I'm wearing at the moment. And I reckon that's going to be the next thing over the next couple of months anyway. And then I'll pivot and do something else, man. So um, I also like the college sweat pants. I dropped just five or six of them in the last one because I got a few delays. But Yeah, I did love those well, actually. So. Yeah. Yeah, tuck them into the socks. They look bad. So yeah. um, a bit of a weird bit of a weird time coming into summer, but fuck it, I'm going to roll with those as well. Going to so, go with them Yeah, anyway. that's what I'll be. That's what I'll be doing over the next little while, bro. And, of course, all the vintage lids, like, the sports hats are cool, um, but I actually really like the bespoke, the weird vintage ones, like, you know, fucking Ohio Fun Run, 12K Fun Run, 1996, like, <laughs> the old strapbacks like that. Or, like, that's what I chase. Like, I've got I've got a box of SeaWorld hats coming. Like, I get weird shit like that. So, um, yeah, NASCAR, sweatpants, weird vintage hats. That's where I'll be hitting, bro. Well, look out for that, everyone. Um, now, the, <laughs> one thing that uh, Jerv has mentioned to me and that I think that you passed on to them was that um, buying stuff that you would wear. Because mm. you see a lot of these vintage sites and there's, to be honest, a lot of shit because they just yeah. some of them just buy in bulk and they're just filled with crap. And you've got to scroll through pages and pages worth of crap to get to mm. what you want to want to look for. But what I noticed with you and, and with Jerv is that it's a lot of stuff that they're going to wear, which in turn means I'm going to wear it because I like similar stuff. Do you, is that a thing with your business? 100%, man. I mean, why would I market something I wouldn't wear? Like, that's just disingenuous. So I've never, again, like, people always ask, bro, who's the name of your supplier? Like, you're missing the game if you want to get who I use, but you can fucking use them. It doesn't matter. You're not going to take, again, you're not taking shirts off me. But the thing is, I, like, I handpick stuff because I want to know in full confidence when I sell something that I would rock it. And what and that comes through my content. Like when I unbox something and you can actually hear that I'm fucking buzzed about it and when I post and even you can hear it and feel it, well, I hope you can hear it and feel it in my captions. Like I genuinely am like obsessed with this shit where, yeah, to your point, when you bulk buy and there's a 70-30 split when you bulk buy and unfortunately it's the wrong way. 70% of what you get is going to be shit. I'm telling you. Like I've seen people do it. It's shit. Mm. 30% of it's going to be gangs and you'll fucking love it and you'll pop off and that'll be the first 10 items on your website and then you're trying to move shit you're putting stuff on sale you're trying to move crap and it's like well why like i would never want to that's just personal i would never want to sell something i'm not into like that's where you lose the enjoyment out of it i'd like i'd legitimately love marketing packing and shipping every single piece of item because i'm obsessed with it i'm like fuck when i open this reggie bush t-shirt they're gonna be fucking buzzed like how sick is this that's what i like to do bro so for me i avoid bulk buying at all costs yeah, and I think that's that's the thing that I wasn't really aware of until Jerv started is that you can – do you handpick? Like you sort of – you whoever your supplier is, do you handpick the stuff that you want to so, get? So my process at the moment is, again, 70-30 split. 70% of my gear is off the same two boys who will send me photos slash videos of everything they get. They might send me 300 pieces and say, hey, bro, I got this, this. So 
the process is at the start of the month, I send them an email or a message on WhatsApp or whatever, and I say, hey, bro, this month I'm chasing X, Y, Z. So I might say, oversized NASCAR, chase the white tees, college football stuff. All got to be XL and up, right? I don't want anything too small. And they'll go out and about, and they might buy 300, 500 pieces of it, and they get it in a fucking steal, pulling it out of you know, $2 bins and that. Mm. And they'll send me photos or videos, and then I'll go through, go, yeah, 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 nah, nah, nah. And then I'll bundle it all together. Sweet, bro, that's 60 T's. We agree on a price, boom, they ship it down. So that's my process. And what then, I don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. No, no, that's what I was saying. And then the other side of that, 30% of what I do is I'm still going to old school. I'm still every single night. The answer is the kids are up for fucking till 1, 2 a.m. I'm sifting eBay, Etsy. I'm still looking for single pieces that I can get as a steal. That's the thing that people miss. They're like, oh, bro, he's got gun supplier. That's why he's doing so well. No, I can't. Like, I'm still grinding. I still get, you know, these tiny little one. Like, I have eBay packets with one or two T-shirts arriving daily. Like, I'm, I'm still out there chasing little gems. If I can get them at a steal, and all I do is I just add them to the bulk stuff that I've already got from the boys. So I supplement my boy, the handpack orders that I'm getting with shit that I'm gemming from the internet from, I get it from other vintage resellers who are having sales. Like I get shit from everywhere, bro. It's not just this two lanes where everyone thinks I'm getting my gear. Yeah. I guess that's probably the, you know, the left field path along with, you know, you a supply that puts you above uh, everyone else. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask about is, so I've heard a lot about sort of fake vintage where the people being able to print and, 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 you know, out some fake clothes do you have any have you seen any of that and have you you know accidentally got yeah. some fake gear before like is that a problem in the in the business no it's a problem at all i mean if you think it's a problem then you just, just don't buy it like i've sold bootleg gear before like it's fuck, fuck, I, bro, it's fine <laughs> i got no dramas with it where the drama is, is if you market it as a 1996 chicago bullshit and really it was printed three days ago like yeah that's disingenuous but if you sell a bootleg tupac shirt which i've sold multiple of like if it doesn't matter when they're printed, if they're sick, like, again, this is the whole thing with it, bro. I love nostalgia and I love vintage, but I also just love fashion. If it looks sick, I'll buy it. You know what I mean? So people people like, bro, I got all this stuff and it's fake. And I'm like, yeah, well, do you like it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's sick. I'm like, well, cool, don't market it as vintage then. And also change your name from vintage gear because it's exactly the same as mine and you've done the same candle logo. But, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, I've got no drama with it, bro. It's the same as buying a t-shirt from AS Color or something. It doesn't matter if it's new or old. If you like it, just fucking move it. Like, the problem again, and I, I get your point, is people marketing bootleg stuff as vintage. Yeah, I think yeah, that, well, that's the yeah, that's the problem that you see people as marketed as you say as a '95 Olympic Games, '96 Olympic Games piece, and then bro, you it's, can't. It's, not diff- hard to it's tell, always bro. yeah. I was going to ask, how do you differentiate? Like, can you see on the photo if you look at two photos, can you yeah. differentiate from looking yeah. at it, or do you have to feel it in the in the flesh? No, I can tell, bro. But it's, again, that's just reps. You know, once you've had your hands like I have on over five thousand shirts and over you know in six months. You're gonna you're gonna get an eye for it. That just takes time, bro. But again, if if it's if someone's marketing something to you and it feels dodge, just it's probably dodge. So that's you know, if you're getting a 1996 Olympic T-shirt for eight dollars, you should probably be asking some questions, especially mm. at the moment. Um, now looking at your Instagram, so I I joined the the following bandwagon about a year ago, I think. Um, Good man. Yeah, jumped on, and <laughs> so you've almost cracked thirteen k. Um, how quickly has it grown, and has it sort of surprised you how you know quickly it's gone? Like now you're in, you know, you got followers in Australia and that kind of thing. Yeah, it surprised me, bro. To be honest, it doesn't matter. I think people, I think people read too much into the follower count. Like I'm obviously I'm I'm blessed and I'm grateful that so many people are 
following along with the journey, but it doesn't necessarily mean engagement. And this, and this is the thing I always harken back to when people, like I've seen a couple of pages that are using some real sort of like um, Aussie and Kiwi, like Insta thoughts as their little like influencers. And, you know, these girls have 45,000, you know, 50,000 followers. It's because they got their ass out in every other photo. I'm like, like, you're going to get 5,000 followers real quick and good on you if that's the goal. But I'm telling you, you don't have the same impact. Like, I was talking to my partner about, it's actually funny you asked the question. I was talking to the missus about this today. I was moving at just as much gear as I am now as when I had 6,000 followers. Like, it doesn't actually, it's impact and engagement over number, bro. So, you know, as amazing as, 13,000 is and I'm grateful for everyone like it's cool and like I hope I get to fucking you know 13 million followers that'd be sick but that's all about engagement and value I truly think that I have a more engaged following than other vintage pages with 30 or 40,000 followers and I can tell you from speaking to those pages I move more gear than them as well and that just comes down to content journey and personality like I'm not the most personal bloke in the world but like I, I show you all the scars I show you the good the bad the ugly a lot of ugly because it's my fucking mug on the screen but like it, there's people put too high a fucking value, especially in this day and age on followers. They're like, I've got to get to 10,000 followers and then I'll be selling heaps of clothes. I'm like, nah, not if you've just chucked a jumper on a girl who's got a million followers. Because what, especially with girls, bro, which I found like, uh, maybe, I don't know, other people, you'll probably have an opinion on this. I'd be interested to get your opinion, but a lot of girls follow other girls just to follow them. Do you know what I'm kind of getting at? Like they're not, engage with them they don't comment on posts other than like oh my god girl dead like that's just fucking empty like they're not and, and they don't like posts and buy off them all they do is follow just so they can keep an eye on girls Isn't, do you get what i'm saying yeah no Whereas, i definitely like, do blokes, yeah like blokes if, if you like if you follow me you are liking all my posts you're commenting on shit you're sharing it with your mates you're talking to me on the phone like this like it's engaged and i think where people people can coast to fame and followers quickly by attaching themselves to the right people but they can also coast to fame quickly by attaching themselves to the wrong people and i think unfortunately a lot of people at the moment see the 12 13 000 followers that i have and go cool that's the goal mate i'm telling you it's impact over followers every fucking day of the week it's just the classic uh quality over quantity isn't it like it's just always bro. The- like and you know the, you know the biggest hack which i found out through taking off this course bro. you can go on your on your desktop on your computer and you can go on instagram right now for some reason i don't know why but desktop still shows the number of likes like if you hover the mouse over a photo, I don't know why. Okay. It's a bit weird. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Don't do it to me, you'll shame me. But like <laughs> you go, you jump on. So like I've had two like examples. I had two two different players, footy players, reach out and ask that they wanted to move some gear, like buy one, get one free, and I'll post it sort of thing, which I've done before. I was like, yeah, cool. Jumped on one of their pages, 45,000 followers. I was like, gun. Jumped on the other one, 4,500 followers. I was like, right, well, I know where I'm going to go with this. But quick little desktop search. A guy with 45,000 followers was getting about 200 to 350 likes, three or four comments per post. You know, his engagement was really fucking low for the followers. The guy with 4,500 followers, the up-and-coming footy player, was getting about 38 comments on every post, about 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 likes on every post. Like, he had an engaged group of family, friends, and friends of friends. That's the market, bro. That's where you need to get your gear. That's who you want wearing your clothes. Because the guy with a million, you know, 45,000 followers, no one actually gives a fuck. That's just people trying to coast to fame. So it's always quality over quantity, man. And, you know, maybe even the uh, the old buy Instagram followers, that's always something you got to read into as well. That's always a, a, an yeah, issue that I mean, could rise its head. 
Yeah, I bought I bought 20, uh, 12 and a half thousand of mine. So there you go. No, yeah. oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> but at least you're still getting at least you're still getting the likes and the and the impact. I mean, you know, I think so. There's no, some people out there that you know, like you said, have like forty five thousand uh, followers and not yeah. much going on. There's you know, nah. there's always some iffy business going on there. Um, yeah. now I want to touch on as well. So I'm a sports journal. Obviously, got this podcast going, and you're you are as well. We've got YKTR Sports. Um, absolutely flying. Can you talk to me a bit about that and and your role in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, YKTR Sport, we're happy with where things are at at the moment. Obviously, this year fucked us a little bit. We had big plans. Um with a lot of different shows and podcasts and the content that we want to work around with a bunch of footy players. Um, you know, I won't name names because I don't know if they're going to be able to do it next year or go in a different direction. But we had a really, like I was over in Sydney at the start of the year and we planned out basically our first six months of the season. And I'm telling you, it was going to change the game, right? And then COVID hit and fucked it all. But in saying that, bro, we've coasted along pretty well. I'm happy with where things are at. Um, Lukey, and ice are obviously on the ground over there and handle 90% of it, but I just tack on where I can and help out where I can. I'm a sports journalist, so I provide the kind of hardcore media side of it and advice in that sense. Lukey does all the digital stuff, and ice handles content, and, you know, he's the face of it. So it's working really well at the moment, bro. We're happy with where things are at. Obviously, it could have been a lot better if there wasn't a fucking virus running around, but it is what it is. Um, I'm still happy with the content we got pumping out, and, uh, you know, Finchie being in the building, hopefully in a more... Uh, Serious, well, not serious because it's Finchy, but hopefully in a more permanent capacity, which I'm sure the boys will announce over the next couple of days. Uh, rolling forward will be even that's a massive get for us, so yeah, we're happy with where, where it's all at. Yeah, the, the COVID it's just at the worst time for anyone trying to get into the sports journalism game, mm-hmm. especially with the sports in general, and anyone that even is in it, um, has obviously felt the effects. I mean, here in Melbourne, there's people with 20 plus years' experience at certain workforces getting the sack. So, yeah, we had, um, we had the crazy. same thing here, man. There was people in my own building with 10, 15, 20 years in the game that, yeah, got, got shown the door. So it was a weird time, man. And um, with no sport on, I, I got reassigned. We all got reassigned to just general news. Like, so I've been writing just about coronavirus for the last fucking four months. And I still do footy on the weekend and stuff like that. But it's not my nine to five anymore. I'm kind of just a general reporter and do footy where and where I can. It's getting better and better. Like, I'm moving more towards sport and doing a lot of the boxing and MMA stuff, which is cool. But, um, yeah, it was a weird time. And I feel for you, man, a very weird time to try and try and break in. But I tell you what, you're doing the fucking right thing. There's a whole there's a reason I jumped on this podcast that I'd never heard about. Like, the fact that you're doing it is sick. Like, this is exactly what anyone who wants to be in journalism or, you know, thinks about they might want to be in it, I tell them every time, cool, you've got to be writing or you've got to be doing something. Because you can't just graduate with a uni degree and think you're going to walk into a job because I promise you my boss doesn't give a fuck about your comms degree. If you've got your own podcast and you've got your own Instagram platform and you're publishing content and you're pursuing and trying to interview players and interviewing, you know, entrepreneurs like myself and I fuck it sounds weird calling myself that. Like <laughs> but interviewing people and you know, you're actually working. You are doing journalism right now as you and I are talking. And you're doing it for free, you're doing it because it's your passion. So when you go to a job and three other guys from your class turn up as well for the same interview and you have this giant portfolio of amateur work to show. A, it shows you're keen, but B, it shows that you're published ready and you're ready to roll. So um, I applaud you for doing that, man. It's really important for people out there, like not even just journalism, but while, while this virus is going on, it's easy to sit home and watch Netflix and be pissed off and say, fuck, man, I was going to get a job, but then the virus hit. Yeah, sweet. Now what are you doing? So um, I applaud you for that, bro. You guys are killing it. Yeah, thanks, man. And I mean, 
that you're spot on with, especially journalism of all industries, but you know other workforces as well. Um, mm. You got to write, and even if it's for no one. So we've got you know on on the pine, we've sort of got a couple hundred followers. You know, it's slowly building every day, but nothing too extreme. Yeah. But you just got to write and push out content um, as if no one's watching and reading. Um, which in yeah. some cases they're not, but you just got to do it anyway because, as you said, down the line it's gonna you're gonna reap the rewards from it. You you got to be selfish with it, man. You got to think of this thing. Don't think about the follow account. As I said again, it doesn't fucking matter. You've got to be thinking about why you're doing it. And I can already tell you're doing it because a you're passionate about sport and you like doing this. Like I can tell you like having a chat with me. Like you like doing this shit. And B, when it comes time to get paid for what you're doing, you have something to fall back on and say, hey, listen, not only do I have that bullshit degree, but here is actually something I've been doing. So, yeah, bro, definitely the way to go. Yeah, and so last little point here. I wanted to quiz you about um, – so you're an NBA fan. You love the American sports over there. Do you mm. do you take some inspiration from the media companies over there? I know I personally love Bill Simmons and the ringer and just the, the empire he seems to have built over there. Do you – in what you're doing with YKTR, do you sort of take some something from over there as well? Because it seems to be, that seems yeah, to be you know the media sort of capital of the world. Yeah, hundred, bro. Like when we first started, like we we had this thing in our head. We were like, right, what do we consume every day? It was Complex, it was Bleacher Report, it was Barstool. We're like, what the fuck is that like down here? What does that look like in Aussie and New Zealand? Because it does like to our knowledge anyway, it doesn't really exist. Certainly not on a level where it you know, widely accessible and people actually locked into it. Like there are, you know, pardon me, smaller media companies and they're all trying to do it, but we want to talk about the shit that we talk about. So, you know, we're never, the, the way we always argue about it with like ATR Sport, we're never going to break down a play like Andrew Johns and Brad Fittler. Like we're not going to beat Channel 9 at breaking down footy, although I know a thing or two about a bit of shape, but like we're not going to beat, you know, uh, the Fox camera work on the sideline because we don't have that sort of budget. But what we do know is we know the personalities, we know the players, or Ice does. We know the players, we know what they eat, we know what they wear, we know what they listen to, we know, like, we like that side of shit. That's what we consume when it comes to American sports. So the whole plan was, cool, let's just be that for down here. So we take a lot of inspiration from, Barstool's kind of a little bit too, like, uh, like, bro-bro, you know, it's a little bit too laddie, but there's elements to that which are sick, like the pizza review, Checo's now doing Help Yourself. Like, there's elements to everything that they're doing that we're sort of taking. Complex with all the hype stuff. We obviously got Vintage. Uh, Barstool with the style of blogs and vlogs. They're kind of doing that with footy. So we take a lot of inspiration from that sort of stuff, bro. I consume it every fucking day. I don't miss first take. Like, I love it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we're what we're looking to be down in this part of the world, bro, but obviously with our own YKTR flavor to it. Yeah, I think, you know, I do love the analysis that these, you know, these guys provide and ex-players provide, but there is such a market there for the players and people getting to know the players on a different level because they're not going to the players aren't going to give everything about themselves to these big media companies who are maybe going to twist it and that kind of thing, but no. they are going to give so much to, you know, personal people, I feel like you and me. So I I live with um a friend of mine who plays AFL for Carlton. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, there's you know there's definitely a divide I think between um the journalism sector and the players. There's always a sort of that worry about it getting twisted. But we, it seems like in America, especially, and what you guys are building here, is that they're going to give more of themselves and you know divulge a bit yeah, more we, to to us. We hope we hope so, man. Like like I, I'm on both sides, which has been fun and interesting, and like I work in traditional media 
between nine to five and then I work at YKTR thereafter. So, and I have very different conversations when I'm wearing one hat and the other. Yep. It's just interesting, bro. And it's, it's a history of players being burnt by the media. Like we always think back at the glory days of sports journalism, like where the beat writer, like like Aaron Smith was, Aaron Smith um, is the All Blacks halfback. He was over there at my place a couple of weeks ago, just they were playing the Blues. So he came over, he was grabbing some teas, talking some shit. We ended up watching the Warriors and just talking rubbish. But like, if I had my stuff hat on then, he ain't coming in the door. But I didn't have any, I had my like ATR sport hat on, he just came and talked shit. And what he was talking about is like, even back in his day, which is early 2000s, when he was playing for Manawatu, the beat rep- the beat writer for the local paper there was like on the team bus with them. He was leering up at like post-match, getting on the piss with the boys. You know, the guys had their fucking dicks out running around on the bus. Like he was just one of the boys and then he'd report on the game and he'd report what they said. And it got to the point where like, he'd come up to interview Aaron after the game and Aaron's like, oh, bro, you just write it, man. Like, you know, I trust you. You know what I'm saying? So like it, and then somewhere over time, the need to be first and the kind of clickbait era burnt that bridge. And I mean, I'll tell you right now, there's no fucking way that a uh, reporter's getting on the one or two bus, like, and going around with the team and leering up with them at post-match piss up. Like that's just not happening in 2020. So what we kind of want to be, bro, and it was really interesting the last time I was over in Sydney and the Rabbitohs boys came through the studio and did the podcast. So the podcast was sick and it was cool just to be around them and that. So Cody Walker, uh, Damian Cook and Ren Diggity, Aaron Reynolds came in. Uh, Aaron Reynolds, Adam Reynolds. And they, they get on with Ice all right, but like Ice didn't really know Walker and Cookie that well. He knows um, Reynolds. But then they just, after the podcast, they just sat around, you know, talk shit. And that was the first time in my, and I've been working as a journalist for five years, the first time I've really seen or talked to players without the media hat on and just how much more fucking relaxed they were. And yeah. you realize, and you would know living with one, oh, fuck, they're just actual knockabout normal blokes. Like, they don't actually talk in cliches and weird sentences like you see on TV. Like, they're actually just normal people. <laughs> yeah, and, it's- and it sounds weird to be in the job for so long and not realize that. But the only experience I had with footy players was sticking a microphone in their face. And some players handle that really well. Some people lock shy up. Some people fall back on cliche. But when you would like ATR sport, you only get the real. And it's built on trust, like I'm rambling a little bit here, but I'll wrap it up. But basically, when we started, I said, well, the biggest thing for me, the most important thing, he's an ex-player. He goes, the most important thing for me is to be the most trusted brand in sports media. And we've never deviated from that. That's our North Star. So if any piece of content, anything we ever do, if we think it doesn't align with that, brush it. Like that's the thing we always stick to. And what that means is players can come in, do a podcast. We've had it. Players come in, do a podcast, say something that they feel a little bit iffy about, and they go, hey, bro, do you mind taking that out? Yeah, sweet. Like, we'll nick it out. Whereas if you come into the stuff office and do a podcast and you say something a bit iffy and ask me to take it out, I promise you I'm not taking it out because mm. I know for a fact my boss wants it. So yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's an interest. I've been in an interesting position, but I'm enjoying learning both sides. And like, I'm not knocking the mainstream media because they absolutely have a place. But I really love what we're doing with YKTR. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I definitely understand both sides. And um, mm. it is hard sometimes, especially when I'm doing what I want to do and then I've got a, a professional athlete as a housemate. So you sort of, you know, you, you get both sides of the story. But I'll share one quick story that I think is pretty funny that sheds a light on yeah. the relationship. So um, a few had a few beers in the preseason with Tom uh, and a few of his teammates. They had a bit of a just a day session, have a few beers, catch up with and families and that were invited. So housemates were included in that. Um, got introduced to a certain player, uh, one yep. of his teammates. And he said, oh, oh well, mate, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm just finishing up um, sports journalism at uni. And he goes, ah, oh, mm-hmm. journalist, uh, the enemy. 
the enemy. He called me. I, was, <laughs> I just met this guy. And I said, so that's that's where it stands uh, yeah. in some players' eyes. So um, that's a bit of a, a funny one. But, but you want to know you want to know the trick to getting around that because you're gonna. I can tell you're already going to be a very successful journey when you meet a player. You tell him you're a chippy. <laughs> because a they a they don't understand it, so they're not going to ask questions. Or you say you're something real complicated, like oh bro, you make it up. You're like I am a civil engineer for a multiplex, uh, you know, TV company. Blah, blah blah. You just make up some long winded bullshit, and they go, oh yeah, that's cool. And then just quickly, <laughs> then you, just quickly move on. Say, do you want to be? I'll get and a quickly beer. pivot on. Just go, yeah, yeah. I'll get. Let me get your beer. You're already <laughs> holding a full one. So yeah, that's the way you roll with it, bro. Avoid it. I love it. I love it. It's great. Well, uh, Jackson, it's been a really insightful chat, mate. And uh, I thank you so much for giving up your time to join me today. Oh, and easy, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear lots more from you in the vintage uh, area coming up and then also in the sports media. Yeah, bro, you will. No doubt. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you.